Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us. So thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and our lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up uh, for our artist grant for the chance to receive two thousand dollars. Can buy affordable original contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press. And you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Now, like I was saying, you're really going to enjoy today's episode because I have a real character, a bona fide character on today's show. He is the ambassador to the city of L.A. Those of us who know better know that he's the real mayor to the city of L.A., not Garcetti. But but this dude here on the podcast today, we know as a, a true blue Angelino, fifth generation Angelino professional photographer, documentarian, aspiring chef. This dude's one of a kind. Uh, Stephen Levy, I met a few years ago, liked him instantly. He's one of those rare human beings that he actually gives a shit. And he's actually a really good dude. And he says what he means, means what he says, which is rare anywhere, especially in L.A., and uh, he's always looking out for other people. I mean, he's helped me. He's helped Man One. He's helped so many people I know in the game just support them and promote them and just do anything he can to give back because he's that kind of dude, super thoughtful, really generous. So I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. As you'll hear, we have a lot of fun cutting up, just uh, trying to catch up on lost time during these quarantining uh, days. It's been a while since we'd seen each other, so it was great to get together and chop it up a bit. So without further ado, let's get into this and hear from the one and only Stephen Levy. Stephen Levy. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. Thank you for having me, brother. Man, what is this, like take three? 
No comment. <laughs> third, third time's a charm, man. Third Everything has gone off without a hitch. What are you talking about? Hey, it's 2020, man. I, but you know, it, what do you expect? Oh, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> we're, we're past that shit. <laughs> oh, shit. I got to stop using that excuse then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. As I said before, I'll say it again. It is so great to see you, brother. I'm, you know, thank you for taking the time out to sit down and, and, and chat it up for a little bit. Of course, man. This is the only human contact I have nowadays. <laughs> well, I was, you're calling I me was a human? thrilled when you reached out to me. It's a new person I get to see. <laughs> well, my wife might question my humanity, but I appreciate I, I, I'm grateful that you think I'm human. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Well, man, I tell you what, you, you know, that, that old saying about when life deals you lemons, you make lemonade. And to the extent that life has dealt us lemons, my friend, not only have you been making lemonade, You've been making bread and and pancakes and and all <laughs> kinds of Epicurean delights. I mean, since when did you become a foodie? Were you always a cook or was this something that you embraced sort of in this new quarantine era? Okay, so the the easiest way to respond to this is simply to say, I didn't even know my house had a kitchen. <laughs> all of a sudden, COVID hit. And that's when I found a, a new mystery. And you got house. hungry and you got hungry. Right. Well, it wasn't even that. It was a matter of fact that, you know, I can't run a canvas now. What am I going to do? How am I right. going to survive? Right. <laughs> Turns out, oh, wait, wait, we, I do have a kitchen. Now, how do I use it? <laughs> and that's where YouTube came in. <laughs> right. Right. What a wealth of information and, and education YouTube is. That thing's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I learned how to juggle and I learned how to make uh, a quiche. I mean, <laughs> Juggling quiche? A, so wait, you know how to juggle quiche now? Is that what you're telling me? Maybe I should. I, I got to watch what I say. <laughs> okay. Now that I see how this is going to go, I got to watch what I say. I'm glad I didn't say anything about balls. <laughs> well, we're good. We're going to get there. <laughs> Interview over. <laughs> cut, cut. <laughs> so, well, because not only, you know, I mean, obviously, you're a professional photographer. So, like, the fact that you are experimenting with a new medium, cooking, and then you document it with these gorgeous photos. Like, I'm guessing your photography makes it look tastier than it actually is. I don't know. <laughs> so, let me enlighten you to please, the, please. the wonderful world of being a photographer. I don't think anybody has said anything even remotely positive, specifically when it comes to the photography of the food. Seriously. I get a lot of negative though. What? You're Asshole. a professional haters. photographer. Why do all your pictures look like garbage? Oh, those haters. The food's delicious, but I want to eat it. I don't want to photograph it. So, you know, I take a picture of whatever it is and most of the time the, the photos are usable. None of them are, you know, like a studio quality and, you know, like what you would see in a magazine. I don't fucking care about that. I just made the thing. I want to go eat it. Right. So, you know, the picture you get is, you know, me hot out of the oven and then click, click. And yeah, off you don't, yeah, you don't want it to get cold. You don't want to have to nuke it in the I microwave. Don't care, I don't even care about that. Like funny <laughs> enough, I, I made pizza. Uh, uh, like an hour ago and i prefer the next day out of the fridge sure I versus that. straight out of the oven yeah so there's a lot of stuff that you know it being cold is fine it's yeah. the fact that i have no interest I, I i don't know if you know this about me or not but i don't shoot people 
Right, right. So I, did, I think I did know that. Yeah. Th this is like that same kind of thing for me. Different logic, different reasoning, no, but yeah. it's the same kind of thing. I don't have any interest in taking a fine art photograph of my uh, of my meal. Just you know, I, I I am proud that I did this. That I was able to do this. Right. With no previous skill. And, you know, I, I, I'm mainly doing it for myself, but mm -hmm. I realized that, you know, when I started posting the pictures, people were responding, not necessarily about the image, which everybody thinks is garbage, but, you know, like, that looks delicious. What is it? And, yes. you know, people are writing me like, oh, hey, I made that thing for dinner the next day, or, you know, that's why I'm putting the picture up. Yeah, well, the, one of the things that has, I mean, that that's a, I'm glad you're unpacking that because I mean, the, the truth of the matter is the food does look delicious. It actually looks delicious. And there, I think I've even responded a couple of times, like, you know, what time's dinner or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I thought to, but the point is. There's, there's too many of those responses for me to remember if it was you. Right. Okay, good. Well, yeah, it was me. But I mean, and then you, what I love about it also is that your, I don't know, your type A OCD stuff is coming out. Like if you have any, because everything is look, looks so well presented and manicured and curated. <laughs> like, like it, it's, it's a beauty. It's a beautifully architected uh, image. You are the first person in the, I don't know, nine months or so that I've been cooking and posting images to say anything remotely positive about the picture. <laughs> I, I'm being completely sincere too. I it's like this is just so my reaction. Grief. Professional photographer, all the pictures look like shit. <laughs> like just take five fucking minutes and and take a good picture. You're like I you're like no, you're opinion. like you're like nobody's paying me. It's like it's I, not I, even <laughs> that. It's the fact that I mean I don't want Instagram fame. I don't you know this thing isn't gonna be for sale in a gallery or something. Like you see what it is and like, that's enough. If you have questions, you know, I'm happy to answer them, but I'm not going to take, you know, 20 minutes editing up, you know, lighting <laughs> and, you know, losing glycerin to, you know, make it shiny. Here, here it is. Enjoy your image. And I, I am now going to eat the food that I've been cooking for an hour. So is there a go-to, like, yeah, you've, you've been experimenting, you know, a lot as, as, as we've seen, I mean, what are some of the recipes that have really caught your attention that, you know, you feel like, oh yeah, this is going to be part of my regular kind of repertoire now in the kitchen. So funny enough, it's more after I make it than it is the recipe or, you know, what the reviews are. Mm -hmm. And there, there are, I don't know, at least a, a dozen things that I've cooked where I'll start off by saying, oh, this is definitely getting made again. And, you know, it's sometimes it's a surprise. You know, I know virtually nothing I make is going to be bad because of the ingredients. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm limited to what I can cook for uh, health reasons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everything is, you know, cheese and bread and, you know, yeah. I, I don't eat meat, not for uh, vegan reasons. I just, you know, I haven't eaten meat in 25 years, wow. except the other day I got suckered into getting some uh uh, hot dogs. I got the chicken hot dogs, but nevertheless, that's the first time I had meat in 20 plus years. Okay. Let's okay. Pump the brakes. This is big news. This is big fucking news. Breaking news, Breaking news right here. And I'm like honored. Like, like you heard it here. Uh, first folks <laughs> on the not real art podcast, Stephen Levy ate meat for the first time in 25 years the other day. Okay. First of all, it's, it was a chicken hot dog of all the things that you could have 
you know, picked or chosen somehow you, you as you said, got suckered into a hot dog, but then you chose it. So for the, for the, you, first of all, I know we don't know each other super well, but I mean, we've, we've, I think we've got to know each other pretty, pretty beautifully in a short amount of time. It's like, and what I think about, I, what I think I know about you, if somebody asked me, Power would, would could Stephen Levy get suckered in anything? I'd be like, no, hell no, he's not a sucker. He cannot get suckered into anything. And yet, you just said you got suckered into eating meat. Now, what was the scenario? Because like, and who was this mastermind person to be able to get you to break through after twenty five years? So I don't know if you know this uh, about me or not, but my my background is marketing. Yes, and I do know this. Some people excel. Some people are tremendously good at what they do. Yes. And whatever commercial it was that I saw, they were very good at their job. <laughs> and why, why I, in that, Kennedy? Why I, in I Kennedy? said to myself that day, I was like, I'm buying hot dogs tomorrow. <laughs> so it was a commercial. It wasn't yeah. even a friend. It wasn't even no. a buddy or a friend saying, you got to try this, dude. No. I don't know what show I was watching, but whatever the commercial was, it was uh, it was for hot dogs. We, we have to find out, and you know, obviously, you know this. You, you're for marketing. We is easy to find. We got to find out the agency that created that spot, and you need to you need to reach out to them and say. Oh, I wrote them a file hate letter, <laughs> like 19 pages. It was terrible. <laughs> God damn you, people! <laughs> you fuckers are too good at your job. <laughs> So did you have a hot dog remorse the next morning? Like, like, how were you feeling physiologically? I, I, I feel fine. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, I, I didn't think it was going to necessarily uh, adversely affect me uh, health wise. Just, okay. you know, I'm going to say at least 20 years ago, but I, I think it's closer to 25. Yeah. I just, you know, I had no interest in eating meat. And since then I haven't. What was the triggering event? What was it 25 years ago? Was it, was it just like a, like, man, eh, I don't want me anymore. Or like, yeah. was it a health thing? Was it an ethical thing? Like what, what was no, that triggering? I, I've, I've always been, you know, super healthy, but never really took care of myself yeah. uh, when it came to eating. I mean, right. you know, I, I don't know if you know the word hawser, but I've never been a hawser, you know, mm-hmm. I've always been thin. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I got a good metabolism. I work yeah. out yeah. and to, to eat meat once in a while was fine, but one day, whatever it was, I decided that, you know, I'd rather have a, a grilled cheese sandwich than a cheese a cheeseburger or something. Right, right, right. And that, that there was no uh, catalyst. There was mm-hmm, nothing mm-hmm. that, you know. Okay, okay. Well, good on you, man. I mean, good on that, that advertising agency who got you... To uh, go back, uh, have a backslide. Oh yeah, a they definitely, bit. they they definitely are in their paycheck. <laughs> now, is that when you cut your finger? Like, how the hell did that happen? It looks like you ah, have a bandage on your. Is that your middle finger? Was that what is that? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's your middle finger. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what a stupid, stupid story. So, pre-pandemic, pre-lockdown, pre-COVID, you know, I I never cooked. I mean, you know, I can make ice cubes like nobody's business. Yes. But, yes. You know, right. other than that, I burn some toast every once in a while. Sure. Everything came from a restaurant. Right. So, you know, when this grief started, I decided that I had to learn how to cook. Yeah. And uh, when I moved into the new house, there was a microwave. So everything was, you know, like I got to make something from scratch. 
and I got to put it in the oven. And like, I better learn quick how to do that. <laughs> you know, like fire, fire good in this case. I'm the opposite of Frankenstein. So along with that came, you know, buying utensils and, you know, buying pots and pans and knives. And so I decided my, my mentality, I, I, I might catch grief for this, but my, my mentality is buy whatever it is, buy the top thing. And then just buy it once yeah. instead of buying, you know, a lesser version of it and having to buy three or four of them. Right, because, right. Because, you know, breakage or... Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Pick for what you get, get for what really you a really good set of knobs. Mm -hmm. And I didn't... Re I, I knew, but I didn't really realize because my mentality is... You know, I forgot what that thing is now, KTEL. You know, like everything was like Ginsu. Yeah, yeah like right. the thing would cut through anything and it would last <laughs> it forever. It was that shit, it, that's bullshit. <laughs> you need to sharpen those fuckers. So, you know, I'm, I'm making bread once a week and I'm cutting the bread and I'm making whatever and I'm cutting that. So I realized that my super sharp, expensive knives were starting to dull. So like everybody else in the universe, I went to Amazon and bought sheet. So I, I bought a knife sharpener. So I, you know, I, I get the thing, it goes into quarantine for four days in the garage. And, you know, now it's COVID safe, yes. comes out of the garage. I am not a read the instructions person. So especially <laughs> with something like this, it's a knife sharpener. It's a knife sharpener. I mean, Jesus. There's no moving parts. And you're a grown man. Of course you know how to exactly. use it. Exactly. Well, grown man, yes, adult, no. <laughs> so... I, I figure, okay, you know, so I'm, I'm sharpening the knives and I'm, you know, I'm doing the thing what, you know, what it looks like in the movie and, you know, everything is fine. And uh, what I didn't realize was that I had enough knives on the counter where that one extra knife that was going on that I just finished sharpening was going on top of the other knives because I wasn't really looking. I was watching TV. <laughs> so the knife slipped off the counter. And like an idiot, instead of, you know, just, okay, it'll fall on the floor and I'll clean it, I'm going to grab it. <laughs> so. There you go. Here, I'll tell you. Give me, show, show me one more time. I want to take a screen capture because this is a fan. No, no, the other way. Flip me off. There you go. That is exactly <laughs> going to be the image that I used in this episode. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, well, my friend, I'm, you know, I, there was so much about that story that I enjoyed. The fact that you're uh, really easy to please. The, well, you know, the, this is the, you know, anybody that, or any story. This is, the, that, this is a pandemic, Scott. I can say anything. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, you know, but see, I think people think they know you, but I mean, stories like this, humanize you. I mean, you're not, I know a lot of people hold you on a pedestal. You're a superhero to so many. Where are they? I would love to meet those people because everybody else is like, oh, that fucking douche. <laughs> so, so this, you know, this just makes them realize that, you know, you bleed too, my friend, you bleed too. Well, there's no evidence of that, but you, you'll take my word for it. <laughs> it's super glued and uh, all bandaged up. Oh my gosh. My gosh. So, you know, you decided, you know, one of the last times we spoke uh, was early in the pandemic. And, you know, I don't know if it was by choice or chance. I, I think it was chance because if I remember, it had something to do with wanting to be close to your parents or whatever. But I mean, you decided to move during this. It, it wasn't really my decision. It, yeah. it was something that was necessary. But right. a word to advice for anybody listening, don't move during a pandemic. Don't move. Yeah. So you're here to hear people. Don't do it. But me, and more breaking news. 
Levy says, don't move for during pandemic. <laughs> However, I mean, the upside is the place, and I haven't been over yet. Maybe someday you'll have me over after pandemic. I'll, I'll bring here's, here's knives. I'll bring my dull knives. You can sharpen them. But <laughs> imitation revoked. <laughs> yeah, right. Now I got to move again. That's right. But I'm telling you, just based on the, and I knew from the photos that you were like, you moved into just like a quintessentially classic LA home uh, in that fireplace behind you, the mantle and everything. It's just gorgeous. I mean, it's super, super classic. We've owned this place since the early 1900s. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Beverly Hills was orange groves when we built this. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know the Beverly Hills racetrack, but that was a block from here. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, this is all, everything is really the real thing. Uh, we had a lot of damage from the 94 earthquake. So some stuff had to be redone, but yeah. luckily because, you know, there's photographer in the family we've got a million pictures of everything <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the construction crews that were you know redoing everything uh have reference material mm -hmm. and for, for the most part like 95 percent maybe it, it is what it was in you know like 1911 well this reminds me of a story that i wanted to to, to unpack with you i mean you know a lot of the average joe out there you know, that doesn't know any better. You know, they think Garcetti's the, the mayor of LA. For the rest of us who do know better, we know you, my friend, are the real mayor of LA. Take us through your history. Like, how did your family get to LA and like, you know, exp unpack that a little bit? Because I mean, you know, when I think of LA, I think of you. When I think of you, I think of LA. So like, and you've, you mentioned this building that you've had in your family for so long, so on and so forth. Like what, what brought your people here? So fifth generation Angelino, we came from Europe and what the motivating factor was to move from Europe to LA, I have no idea. Right. That got lost in translation. The, originally, you know, like every other uh, immigrant family came to Ellis Island mm -hmm. and from there spread out through the US. Some went to, to Seattle, some went to Canada, which isn't the U.S., but nevertheless, I think we had some go to Texas. Everybody kind of, once they got off the boat and got through Ellis Island, kind of everybody scrambled and everybody was everywhere. What part of Europe, by the way, what part of Europe do you know? Half from England and half from Russia. Got it. Yeah. So the, the long story short is the, the family that went to Canada ended up coming, uh, Winnipeg specifically, mm -hmm. uh, ended up coming to Beverly Hills. Okay. And, you know, like I said, I mean, when they came here, you know, Beverly Hills was orange groves. I mean, all yeah. the roads were dirt. There was nothing here. Yeah. Little by little, you know, started to uh, amass uh, a little bit of money mm -hmm. and built, bought this property and built it. And another property like three or four blocks away, which unfortunately they had to sell for financial reasons, 1930s maybe. But that's basically the, the history of what I feel confident in saying that's 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. There's lots of supposition sure. that, you know, through, through the family, you know, they didn't do that. They, they came to so-and-so. I don't know, but what I do know for allegedly, because I heard it directly from the direct source, was what uh, was what I told you. Amazing, amazing. I mean, five generations in one city. I mean, 
That's incredible. And to see the evolution of this incredible place, it's, it's a remarkable thing. No wonder your passion is documenting it photographically. I mean, why, why, I mean, how did you get to photography and why LA? I mean, what, what, what drives you? So that's a much longer answer than your short question. But we got all the time, my friend. This is a podcast. We got all the time. <laughs> so back in the olden days, ah. so my, my whole life, I've been interested in, in photography, not necessarily the process, but just taking pictures sure. of everything that I saw. And hobby, mm-hmm. but at no point in time did I, for a second, I'd be able to monetize my hobby. And, you know, this would be a career or, you know, I'm just a monkey that like pushing a button and then looking, you know, at a later point in time as a remembrance of, you know, oh yeah, I was there or I saw that or, you know, to be able to share it, you know, with whoever at a later point that wasn't with me and smash cut to 40 some odd years later, I took one picture, which kind of got me like the, the underground art scene. I became like a known entity. And then the above ground part of this, uh, you know, the gallery part, you know, you hear people say, you know, like by the grace of God, or, you know, I'm agnostic. So I don't know what to use in lieu of that. (laughs) I'm a born again uh, pagan. So, uh, so I get it (laughs) for, for the love of sky. I'm driving downtown for something completely not photography related because, you know, that wasn't anything that, you know, it wasn't my vocation. It wasn't anything I would go specifically well, that, that's not the holy truth. There are some places I would go specifically to photograph, but there was no driving motivation to go to somewhere for photography. So I'm driving on my way downtown and there's construction. So I get off the freeway and I'm taking Beverly Boulevard. And I drive by this very colorful, very interesting building, lots of uh, arches in the front, you know, very heavy architecture and a massive crowd. I have no idea what I'm looking at, but I'm not really in a hurry to get to where I'm going and I'm an inquisitive person and everybody there kind of looked like me. So it'd probably be something I would be interested in. <laughs> so I pulled over and parked and got out and asked somebody there what was going on. They're like, oh, it's a, a street art uh, walk. So I was like, okay, well, I like street art. You know, uh, where, how do I buy a ticket or whatever? They're like, no, it's free. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So uh, I'm listening to the speaker and I'm not really that interested in what's being said. As it turns out, you know, now it's a couple of years later, I'm friends with her and I've never told her <laughs> that I walked out of the Who was it? Who was it? Tell us. Lizzie. <laughs> it was Lizzie. So I walked out of the speech part to go to the art. So the benefit of that, uh, which I, I, of course, realized, if you want to follow up with this, I'll, I'll tell you, but... I have all the art to myself because the crowd's not over. Right. So, you know, I'm going, I'm doing, I'm taking pictures and, you know, humming, humming, humming. And at this point I had, I don't know, maybe like a, a month at the most, I had been on social media. I had no interest in Facebook or, you know, right. Twitter or anything. So for family reasons and a couple of friends that don't live in LA anymore, I agreed to get on Facebook, you know, so we can all be in contact. Sure. So smash cut to, you know, whatever it is a couple months later. And, you know, I'm at the, the crazy building with the street art tour and I'm photographing everything. 
So I understand the value of content, even though you know I'm new to social media. So I wanted to make sure that all the artists got tagged properly and you know everybody got their, you know, everybody got their due. Yeah. And most people know, some people don't. A hundred percent of the time, if it's a photo of somebody else's art, I give them the image. Yes. They're they're free to use it however they want. There's no licensing issue. There's nothing. Yes. I wouldn't have had anything to photograph if they hadn't done the art. So I feel I owe it to them. So I took, you know, however many uh, hours was necessary to track down who the artist was when I was putting the photos up for this friend of mine who no longer lives in LA, but was really interested in hearing about this thing that I did earlier, the the art walk. So I put all the images up and I tagged everybody and I made the thing public, which uh, that is literally the first thing that I ever put a public on uh, social media. Everything else had just been friends and family. So almost right away, I mean, like within a, a couple of minutes of the album going up, you know, I start getting the pings and I'm looking, you know, like so-and-so say your friend request, so-and-so wants to tag them some. I really, I mean, I got, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory, but, you know, I don't know these people and I don't want to open myself up to, everyone's crazy. I don't, you know, I don't know who these people are. So after like the fifth or sixth or eighth one, I just, everybody got approved. No. So by the, I don't know, 24 hours or whatever, you know, now all of a sudden my eight or 10 friends are like 30 friends. Yeah. And the people I don't know outnumber the people I know. <laughs> so uh, like two or two, maybe a, a week later, a couple, couple of days later, I get a message from this guy saying, you know, hey, I don't know who you are, but everybody's using these photos and you know, building his head. You know, would it be okay if I uh, used some of these for my website? And I'm being interviewed for the LA Weekly and they want to use one, I think it was the cover. So I was like, yeah, sure, you know, more, more power to you. You know, say, send me a, a link so, you know, I can see my thing on the, I, I see my picture on the cover because, you know, that'd be cool. That's cool. So I don't know. Three months later or something, I'm at a gallery, which is now defunct on Sunset, for a friend of mine, their art opening, which is the very first art thing I was ever at. And coincidentally, at that art thing, this guy walks up to me and asks me if I'm the guy that took the photos in the alley, to which I responded very hesitantly, like, I am a guy and I have taken pictures of things in alleys. Like, you know, I don't open myself up to anything. You don't know this guy. guy? Money or, yeah, you know, right. I, I don't know. So he's like, oh, I, I'm the guy that wrote you about using the pictures. So who's the guy? Jason Ostro. What was the building? Gabba Gallery. <laughs> so, you know, then we, we had a very short discussion. He told yeah. me that that whole street art thing was his personal project. You know, mm-hmm. he's in charge of all of it. Mm-hmm. So the, the end of the, oh, and just coincidentally, the art opening that I was at, it, it was his. It was his opening at another gallery in conjunction with Andrea LeHue. So, you know, we couldn't really have an in-depth discussion. You know, he's yeah. got to go make money. So the end of the, the our, our introduction was, hey, would you be interested in having an art show or being in an art show? And I was like, yeah, you know. Sure, that sounds great. LA, everyone's <laughs> full of shit. So he's like, no, dude, that building is my art gallery. 
I am a, an, an art gallery owner. And, yes, you know, yeah. yes, I'm legit. I'm legit. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right, give me your card and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So sure enough, you know, he, everything was on the up and up. And, you know, I was like, you know, yeah, this, you know, thanks for the invitation. You know, I'd be really stoked to do this. But, you know, just, just so you're aware, absolutely no experience. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know where to, you know. So he's like, ah, it's no problem. You know, just go get something printed and framed and, you know, I'll, I'll take care of everything else. So I was like, okay, great. Thinking to myself, where do, if it's not like Rite Aid or something, you know, like where the fuck do I find a printer for fine art photography? And all of a sudden my shit is fine art photography. Like what the, what just happened? So long story short, like everything else, pretty much, I go to the internet. Uh, you know, fine art printing. So I found somebody, they did not do a good job, but by the time <laughs> I got everything, it was too late to have it redone. So I dropped everything off and uh, he let me put uh, four photographs in to that first show. And I dropped everything off and, you know, no questions about anything, you know, like where, you know, what kind of paper did you use or who's the printer or, you know, and all I was thinking to myself, not knowing if that was like a standard thing was thank fucking God he didn't ask any questions. You didn't have answers. Yeah. yeah. So two weeks, you know, from the drop off to see, the see, Stevie, this is why you're perfect for the not real art podcast, because, you know, there you are. You're not you're like, I'm not a real artist. I'm not a real artist. I, I Dude, I still that's still my point of view. <laughs> Most I artists mean, feel that way. If you get somebody on. Well, actually, you've got a lot of people I know on the show. But if you get somebody I know on the show that has had that discussion with me, they're going to be like, I, I don't know how long you edit this down to. But it, it's going to be an hour of them just cursing and saying, fuck <laughs> that guy. Like, just on a loop. Yeah. So but I, I'm, I'm going off track a little bit, but here's what my impression is. And some people agree, some people, a few people agree, most people disagree. I accept and respect everybody's opinion, as long as they don't put the onus on me, that I have to agree with them. This applies to no other photographer. I'm only, uh, I'm only specifically talking about myself. I don't consider a monkey pushing a button or if you can go to the store and buy tubes of paint and a blank canvas and brushes or, you know, something to that extent, you know, have a blank wall with spray cans and you end up, you know, like what Alex does, you know, man won't hurt. You know, there, there, was, no, nothing there. there was nothing there. You know, it was white paint and stucco. Yep, yep, yep. And then, you know, a handful of hours later, it's yep. a it's a hundred foot portrait of his parents. Right, right. You know, like that that I consider art. I, I get your point. I I you know yeah. I'm taking an image of something that's pre-existing. I'm not making it. So I don't know what the definer is. Do you there, think of yourself more as a documentarian? With the photographing the empty Los Angeles during the pandemic mm -hmm. and the George Floyd and the BLM, yes. Right. With the other stuff, which is, you know, mainly what I do, shooting uh, cars or buildings or, yep. you know, nature, that's not really, I don't feel like I'm documenting anything there, but I also don't feel that it's necessarily art. 
pure art. Yeah. Right? There, there's, know, a, there's I, an artistic, there's definitely an artistic dimension to it, but on the continuum of what is either pure art all the way down to, I don't know, commercial art, you're in the middle there somewhere. Well, I, again, I, this is specifically uh, applicable to me and yes. me alone. Yes. I am now, you know, because I'm, I'm established and for whatever reason, people seem to uh, like me. I've made friends with, you know, some fairly influential, important, famous photographers. Mm -hmm. And I've had this discussion plenty of times. Some of them are really insulted because they, what they hear me saying is that photography is an art. Right. And some they of them understand personally. that what I'm, yeah. huh? They take it personally. They think that you're critiquing them. Yeah. They think that I'm critiquing the field. Yeah. And right. they're part of that. And then, you know, I'll explain to them, you know, as clearly as I possibly can, that this, like I've said now a couple of times, this is in no way applicable to you or photography or photographers. Uh, it's how I feel about me. Yes. And, you know, I, I didn't spend years in school. I didn't spend one day in school. I don't have uh, student debt. I don't have a shit ton of money invested in equipment. It, it's what I know is, you know, uh, what I know is self-taught. What I know is being able to learn from my own mistakes. And I asked it. I was going to say as the years have gone by, but that makes it sound like I've been doing this for so long. From the first gallery thing till now is I think maybe four years. And at the beginning, I was much more steadfast in the fact that, you know, like don't put me and don't put me and Ansel Adams in the same category as like, oh, you're a photographer. Right. That guy's a photographer. I don't know what exactly to call me, but don't lessen his worth by connecting us. As the years have gone by, I'm more open to calling myself a photographer or an artist, but mainly for the reason of it's just the easiest way to, to introduce myself at a yeah. gallery or something. Yeah. Right. But how, how I feel is, you know, like maybe, you know, uh, another four years, I'll feel different or 40 years from now, I'll feel different. But, you know, it's one of, one of my very, very good friends, Jeffrey Sklan, that guy's a photographer. Right. You know, I mean, he's concerned with lighting and, you know, well, it, it's sort of, you know, one of the ways of thinking about it too, it's like, you know, and, and by the way, it says so much about you and your character that you're so careful to clarify and, and distinguish, you know, the differences, because part of what you're getting at is some folks have put in their 10,000 hours, right? Oh, yeah. Whether, whether it's photography or cooking or painting or whatever, you know, you put your 10,000 hours in of whatever it is, or your 20,000 hours or your 38,000 hours. You have earned that title. You, that's right. That's is. right. And those of us who, who haven't put our 10,000 hours in, we know that and we're honest about it. And we honor them and we're on our own path. Right. But, but, but it's, it's the polite thing to do <laughs> to, to, I just, to qualify. Yeah. I, I just don't feel that I had, I don't know, a, a couple of years ago, I had a, a fairly substantial solo show and, you know, it was a big deal for me. I mean, it was my first one and, you know, I had, all, it was a lot of art and a lot of work and, you know, yep. and somebody came into the show and wanted to buy some. And the manager of the gallery came and got me and the potential 
buyer wanted to ask me some questions about the image and my process and my equipment, you know, that's, that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have any problem talking to anybody about anything, let alone my own images. So, you know, in the discussion with this person, it, he's asking me, you know, about, like I said, about my process and my equipment. And, you know, I explained to him exactly how I did what I did to achieve the image that he's now looking at and potentially wants to purchase. And when he found out what equipment I used, immediately started lambasting me. And it was, I mean, I wow. am not... to your face. Oh, yeah. In the, in that, you know, in and, the show. And, and in your own show. Jesus. In my, what an at, asshole. At the opening. Yeah, what an asshole. And, you know, I am um, normally... I am not somebody that is subtle. I am not somebody that's PC. You know, I'm definitely not not confrontational. I'm definitely not non-confrontational. Right. So, you know, as quietly and calmly as I could because of the situation, I just simply said to the guy, if I hadn't said anything, would you have bought the image? And he said, probably. And I said, why would you have bought the image? And he said, because I liked it. And I said, and why are you not buying it now? And then, and additionally, spent five minutes berating me. He said, because my kid, my 10-year-old daughter, has the same equipment issue. Why would I spend $2,000 for this? This makes no sense. So at that point, that was kind of like the turning point for me when I went from you know, not a photographer to kind of, kind of maybe being able to accept introducing myself as a photographer, regardless of what I feel is the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I don't know if you know or not, and I assume most people know at this point because I have no compunction about hiding it. Do you know, and if you don't know, I'm curious to hear what equipment I use. You shoot ex- exclusively on an iPhone, don't you? So you okay, you do know. So a lot of people know because, you know, I, I, I feel no reason to hide that. Right. I think um, it's a beautiful thing. It's like it's your tool of choice. And, you know, some painters choose to use aerosol. Some painters choose oil. Some, you know what I mean? Like you're using an iPhone. It's a legitimate tool. The fucking technology in this machine here is incredible. And it should be put to artistic ends. Using the phone as a camera was a matter of convenience at the beginning. You know, because I always have my phone with me and I, yeah. you know, I take pictures yeah. of everything. So, you know, I, this, this seemed to make perfect sense to me. As time progressed and, you know, I, I started to take this more seriously, I approached the topic of getting a camera and I don't use Photoshop or, you know. Right. And I, you know, I had that discussion with plenty of people and everybody said, you don't have that option anymore. Like this is your, the, the iPhone is your shtick now. Yeah, right. If you go to a camera, you're just going to be like everybody else. So yep, yep. I stuck with it, A, because it was convenient and working, but B, because I got myself into that groove where, you know, like that was my thing. And you haven't said anything. And I don't know if it's because you don't realize what a big deal it is, but I don't have a beard. By the way, I was going to mention it, you asshole, but you 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 preempted me. Uh, yeah, breaking news. In break, no more breaking news. Maybe I should have mentioned this at the top when I first saw your face. I absolutely <laughs> wasn't going to get here. So since you beat me to the punch, please t- t- tell us the story. 
So, well, the story is fucking COVID and I wanted a good seal, <laughs> which I got to thank, you know, uh, uh, Paint the Town, right? Oh, yeah. I love those guys. So Keith and James are, are both friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And the last time, I think it was the last time, the last time that they interviewed me, the CDC put this thing out about, you know, like, if you have this kind of beard, it's okay. And if you have this kind of beard, you're definitely going to die. <laughs> so my beard was past that one. You were, yeah, walking dead. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, James, being the, the character that he is, inserted that image into the podcast. He's like, you know, <laughs> like, where do we put you on this scale? So... You know, I said to him on more than one, I realize I'm branching off my original thought, but Jews have a tendency of doing that. Ask any Jew. So I, I have I many Jewish friends. I, I have many Jewish friends. I'm, I'm a well, I'm, I'm well aware. King of the interrupters <laughs> of ourselves. So I was telling James the story when he brought up the thing with the beard. I said, you know, every time specifically, because it was really the only place I was going besides the market, every time I was going to fire, uh, the fire station, Everybody is, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you're wearing a mask that's this far off your face. <laughs> it's no, you're not doing yourself any good there. So for whatever reason, yes. when that, uh, when James put up that thing with the chart, it was like, yeah, I, I don't want to do it. But, right. You know, right. I also don't want to die. So, uh, you know, I, and I the beard grows back and the, and the beard grows back, but you can't be resurrected from the dead. So you don't know. You don't try to don't know me. I mean, Elon Musk may figure it out. Uh, some, yeah, I wouldn't some, doubt him. There, there's a history of some other guy doing that. I think <laughs> allegedly. And he was a Jew. <laughs> so uh, yes, the first performance artist, by the way. A lot of people think Jesus was the Son of God. I say he was a performance artist, and the crucifixion was his masterpiece. My, you know, let I me mean, think about it. He was all about love. He was the first hippie. He was a total artist. I mean, he was all about love. He, you I'm know, talking, about, talking peace. about that. I don't know if you can see this, but yeah, you, you're coming. Yeah, this is happening. Uh, wait, show me the hands. Any nail scars? <laughs> I'm sorry. Not yet. I, I, for any evangelicals listening. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a filter I could put. Uh, <laughs> By the way, that would uh, be good. So, anyways, when James yes. put that thing up, I was like, yeah, I got you. Right, right. And, right, right. you know, ever since then, I've kept it off. Yeah. You know, th- I think this is pretty much the longest that it's been uh, since, you know. Now that, that I totally get that because I also started in addition to making sure that I had a good seal on my mask. I started wearing a condom during sex with my wife, too. You know, you can't be too careful. I'm not going to ask questions <laughs> I don't want answered. So I'll just say congratulations. <laughs> well, you know. You just, you know, I'm still alive, right? I mean, you know, and my and my, not only did my COVID test come back negative, my HIV test came back negative too. So hey, I got you it all done to, at the same need, time. You need to insert the applause sound effect right there, <laughs> or maybe, maybe golf clap, not, not full <laughs> yeah, applause. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you have a rep. I mean, I, well, I'm going to say you have a reputation. I, let me rephrase that because because I've got many reputations. It's been my observation. It's my observation. My observation that you uh, are one of the most, well, you are incredibly generous and empathetic. Where does your empathy and generosity come from? I think the easiest answer is, you know, family is your base. And I learned at a very young age that no matter 
what position somebody is in life, you know, uh, a waiter, president of the United States, everybody is equal. And I've, you know, my entire life, I was going to say my entire adult life, but my entire life, I don't like bullies. I don't like, you know, people that, you know, are, are going to take the shortcut. I don't, you know, anybody that's willing to fuck somebody over to get ahead, you know, a- anything that's where, where your character is dubious. I'd rather disassociate from that person. And I don't want anybody under any circumstance to feel like that about me. So I behave how I would want somebody that I'm close to, how I would want them to behave. And, you know, for the most part, you know, I I think I do a pretty good job. I'm willing to, you know, be helpful when I can. I'm willing to, you know, make myself available when I can. I enjoy doing it. I I, I enjoy, you know, solving somebody else's problem if I can or, you know, helping them out. And I don't do it for them. You know, I'm doing it for me. And if they're benefiting from it, that's great. But, you know, it makes me feel good that they trusted me to tell me whatever the problem was and then allowed me to help them to resolve. And, you know, like I, without sounding too hokey or, you know, too uh, hippie-ish, the world would be a much better place if people took other people into consideration and weren't so concerned with themselves and what was in it for them and what benefit they're going to eke out of, you know, and keeping a scorecard. And I, I forgot what the exact phrasing of this saying is, but it takes far less energy to smile than frown. Yeah. And anybody that's been out with me for the projections, almost one of the first things that, you know, I say to them when it comes up in the conversation that, you know, like, why did you choose to invite me? I have one rule, like, to get through life. Don't be a fucker. If you can just not do that one thing, pretty much anything else can be forgiven. You know, just don't be a fucker. And, you know, it seems like a simple thing, but as you know, it is not a simple thing. Right. Well, and, you know, I just want to tell you, because I mean, you've been incredibly supportive of everything I'm doing and man one's doing and, and everything. You You're know, awesome. Why wouldn't I want to support you? Well, I know. but And thank you for that. Thank you. But what, I, I just want to take this opportunity publicly to say thank you for that support and for your generosity and for your thoughtfulness. And by the way, you know, if I could be so bold, I'll just thank you on behalf of everybody else you've helped and supported over oh, the years. Because don't, don't do that. <laughs> okay, I take it back. But it's awesome, man. I mean, it's awesome because, you know, we it does take a village and we do have to cover each other and look out for each other. And a lot of people don't. And that's fine. Whatever. Everyone's on their own path. Well, Slan introduced me to a saying that I've used many times. I always credit him. I'm not taking any credit for it, but I, I've used this many times. Either we all hang together or we hang separately. And <laughs> I really believe that that's the case. Right. You right. know, I mean, if you're in a position where you can help somebody up, why, why wouldn't you do that? I, I just, I don't get that whole thing. You know, I, I coined a phrase years ago when the art, when the gallery part uh, started of my art, ridiculous art life. The, the phrase or the, the, the term is bus pressure. And 
some people automatically, you know, understand what that means. And some yep. people have no idea what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's true. And for, for the people that don't, I'll elaborate. So a bus pusher is the equivalent of somebody that is willing to push you in front of or under a bus to benefit in some way by your demise or injury. Yep. And those people are garbage people. I have no compunction about calling them out. I think they should all be publicly shamed. And I don't know what happened to them in their lives that this is who they are as an adult. But regardless of what happened, it's not acceptable behavior. And, you know, I choose not to associate with those people. Hopefully I would know before I invested any time into a relationship. But people are good actors sometimes. And, you know, you get roped into the facade and then realize that, you know, they're, they're garbage. And, you know, once that happens, you know, I, I am not averse to trimming the fat. One of the great examples of, of this empathy and generosity that I'm praising you about is the money that you raise for important causes with the LA Marathon. How much money have you raised to date? It's got to be over a hundred grand. But yeah, I, I don't know what the exact number. And it's, is. A, it's last, last year alone was over thirty. Right. It's a, and it's St. Jude's. Well, who do you who do yeah, you? Saint, yeah, St. Saint Jude's is my charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've had, you've got you've done that how many years now? Seven. Right. Seven LA marathon finishes. No, I, I I've done I've done eight marathons, but seven were actually I think I did even more than eight. Maybe it's more than seven years because. I think this year would have been my 11th year. So maybe nine years with St. Jude's and 10 marathons. Yeah, how, how I got with St. Jude's, that's, that's a whole story in itself. Let's hear it. I don't know if you know or not, but you know, anybody that knows me, I, I don't have kids. So you know, some people assume maybe it was my niece or nephew who had childhood cancer. Thank God that wasn't the case. I was on my way to Mexico. And about a six hour flight. And the woman next to me had her daughter with her. You could see, you know, visibly there was an issue, but there was nothing that, you know, you could pinpoint. And, you know, we're making small talk on the flight when, you know, you could actually fly somewhere. And, you know, she was super nice and just really personable. And it got me more invested in our conversation. And during the six hours, you know, from tarmac to tarmac, and then even a little bit afterwards in the um, passport control, she's telling me that she's flying down to Mexico with her daughter. Sadly, you know, she doesn't have that much time left. She has cancer and she wanted to go see family. And so during the conversation, it came up about St. Jude's and what a phenomenal organization they were and how they gave her extra years with her daughter and you know she wouldn't have been able to pay for any of the treatment let alone you know anything else so somehow in the conversation the marathon came up so she said oh i think they're a sponsor so when i got back to la i went to the la marathon's website and i went to st jude's website and sure enough they're an official sponsor official charity so I reached out to St. Jude's and got to, I don't know, what somebody in corporate. 
And I told them, you know, about what happened that, you know, it's when I, I want to help if I can, well, you know, what can I do? And she, I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing the marathon. I see you guys are uh, partners. So she said, oh, if you want to do a fundraiser, that'd be great. So I said, okay, well, tell me, you know, send me whatever I need to know. Or, you know, she's like, no, you just go to the website and you sign up. And if you raise X amount of money, then, you know, like we give you this. And if you get X amount of money, we, you know, we'll bump you up to this next thing. So uh, and just to clarify, give doesn't equate like, if you raise so much money, you get a new Cadillac. <laughs> right. You know, like we give you a shirt. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is awesome. So that first year, which uh, again, circling back to the uh, earlier part of this, I was not, you know, I didn't have like a huge social network, Facebook and whatever. So the people that I was, you know, getting to donate are people I know like in real life. And I put the thing up. I think I put the thing up on Facebook. Oh, I wasn't even on Facebook. I wasn't, forget what I just said. I wasn't even on social media at that point. So I raised X amount of dollars. You know, it, it wasn't a lot, like uh, a couple thousand dollars. And, you know, I did the marathon, which did, I, I'm going to do the Jewish interruptus again. So let me tell you a, a short interlude <laughs> of my stupidity with the marathon. So the marathon went by my house and I had somewhere to go. You know, I had no interest in running a marathon. It's, you know, I, I worked out my whole life, but I, I was never a runner. So, you know, I leave the house and I'm driving to where I got to go and sunsets blocked off. So, of course, you know, like, what? 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 So I parked the car. I go talk to the cop. He's like, yeah, dummy, it's a marathon. They have it every year. So I was like, okay, well, how do I get around it? He's like, you're fucked. You know, like, what? all day. <laughs> you're go, fucked you know, you're all gonna day. To, you're going to have to charter a helicopter. So I decided what I was going to do is I would just jump over the barricade and walk, you know, down the marathon from uh, where I started to where I had to go, which was maybe a mile, drop off what I needed to drop off. And then I would just do the same thing coming back. So that's what I did. And when I got back to my car and then drove back to my house, I was like, I don't know what the big deal is about doing a marathon. I did uh, less 26. than 26.2. <laughs> I did less than one. <laughs> Idiot. So I was like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. Next year, I'm going to sign up for this thing. So, you know, I didn't do any training or anything because in my mind, you know, <laughs> I'm super fit. You know, I'm, I'm whatever, you know, like 40 years old. I'm not, you know, I'm never going to die. So uh, I signed up for the thing. And a year later, I get an email, you know, like, hey, we just, uh, you know, want to let you know that come down and pick your bib up for the marathon. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I signed up for that thing. So I did it in uh, no socks and Converse, you know, and everybody that knows me knows I'm a Vans guy, but that's what I decided to wear because, you know, for whatever reason. So no socks and Converse. And, you know, just like regular clothes. So, I don't know, three miles in, you know, I had that, like, that, that rat that's turning on the wheel. Like, all of a sudden, the cog stopped. And it was like, this was a huge mistake. And, you know, at that point, I could do one of two things. I can keep going or I can go home. Anybody that knows me knows that what's definitely going to be on my tombstone 
anyways, you know, I have to keep going. I started, I have to finish. Yes. So I, I will save you the graphic description <laughs> of my physical. The bodily fluids involved. <laughs> I'll just say this. There were, I, I didn't know that you could produce that many colors. Yes. So yes. we're all uh, a rainbow, the, really. <laughs> the, the shoes had to be thrown out. It took me about two and a half months to be able to walk properly. That's not an exaggeration for comedic effect. That is literally every right. year that's the case. You destroyed yourself. <laughs> it's it's bad. I mean, it's super bad. So, you know, like I I I look like, you know, I work out, you know, I look like I'm I'm in shape and you know, I'm a fit guy. The inside is like a old gum and like a used bandage. <laughs> it's it, you know I, i'm an old man with physical ailments you know the the, the outside is you know the outside appearance gorgeous is, you know, on the outside a, not so much effect. on the inside the, the mechanics <laughs> of my car yeah that doesn't work good <laughs> like, oh my god an eight-cylinder car running on, on two plugs that's fine so just where i need to go so cutting cutting to the crash though, just 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 to sort of compare and contrast. So, do you remember what your time was that first year? Was it like you know eight hours? <laughs> I'm, I'm really I'm really consistent. If that that's one thing where I will pat myself on the back if I could have the flexibility to reach back there, I, I'm really consistent. Whatever day the marathon, whatever date the marathon is, it's mm -hmm. always on a Sunday. You're right. I start Sunday morning and I finish Sunday. <laughs> other than that i don't really care that, but that by the way that is a brilliant very wise way of thinking about <laughs> it because see you strike me as somebody that has what they call fast twitch muscles which is not for you yeah, exactly and and you know i i have what they call slow twitch muscles i have two speeds slow and slower and every <laughs> time i see a, a a photo of you at the end of the marathon you look like an adonis like you're just like chiseled like it looks like you're breaking you know like sub three like times or whatever so don't fuck with my fantasy my act is working it's convincing people <laughs> Where's my Oscar? That's amazing. Listen, man, anybody that's going to toe the line for 26.2, let alone for charity raising money, I mean, they do deserve a medal at the end of the day, and uh, whether they, you know, no matter what the time my, is, and it's a beautiful thing. My, my whole thing is just about finishing. That's you right. know, it, it's a personal thing for me. I already raised the money. All that money is donated before the marathon even starts. Yeah, you know, right. and there has been more than one year because of my physical issues that mm -hmm. I have been advised definitely a hundred percent do not do the marathon. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Well, you know, my brain doesn't work like people are donating based on me doing it. So I feel guilty that they donated and you know, I'm not doing it. That's not to make anybody else feel responsible or bad for you know, what I suffer at the end and for months afterwards. It's the fact that I, I feel like I made a contract with them. Yeah. I'm, tell, I'm asking them, in some cases I am telling them, but I, I'm asking them, you know, please donate to my marathon fundraiser. What am I going to say? But I'm not going to do the marathon? Right. No. Hell no. Well, part of the reason why I wanted to ask about this is that I, you know, I actually have kind of an emotional connection to the race as well, because when I moved to from Chicago to L.A. in 2001, the first friend that I made, 
I was here two weeks. I was living on the West side. I walked into a store at the store owner. He was like my first friend. Uh, he was my first friend. His wife was the founder of the LA marathon. And so Marie, her name is Marie is Marie Patrick and Marie in classic fashion recruited me as a volunteer, like within five minutes of meeting me, you know, she's like, Oh, so you're new in town. Oh, great. So you don't know anybody. Oh, I bet you like to be new friends. Yes. Yeah, I would. Well, here, I, I know the marathon's that. coming up. That's Come on I down, mean. volunteer. Right. So I was a volunteer for several years. <laughs> and so it's a very special event. It's incredible. At that point they were doing the loop. They, they hadn't, they hadn't sold yet. Now they do the sunset point to point, which is an amazing route. Very, very challenging uh, route, but the uh, hats off to you, brother, for doing that, man. That's yeah. That's amazing stuff. I'm, uh, I'm trying to get back to where I diverted. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember we're just I'm driving going. around. We don't know where we're going. We just can't wait to get there. <laughs> yeah, please. So yes, take us back to the beginning. Where I don't remember where the beginning was. Where, where did I go off the rails? <laughs> and just for uh, the for the listener's sake, I mean, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. We're not drinking. We're not smoking. I mean, this is just how I it's don't, I don't drink or smoke. I never yeah, this, right, right. It's just being old. <laughs> I turned 50 last year. How old are you? Oh, welcome to the club. Okay. So so I'm a latecomer. All right. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, you know. I got, you know, I got a couple years on you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you you definitely look wiser than me. That much is, is sure. I, I want to know if you look older. The beard. I already agreed to do this. You've already been recording for however many hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, and with, with that in mind, Stephen Levy, I want to thank you, my man, for spending this time with us. I know our audience is going to love this episode. You are such a fantastic human being. The world is better with you in it. LA is better with you being here five generations in. This is incredible. Thank you, brother. Tell our listeners where they can find you online. I don't care about that. Good. Fuck them. I <laughs> just go find up for real art and follow them. And Look follow at you. Oh. And, uh, Alex, uh, man, he's at man one or at man one art. At man one. Well, at, well, it's man one art.com. No, no man one.com. And then at man one art is his IG. That's right. Yeah. Follow, follow those guys and follow, you know, the podcast and, don't uh, don't unsubscribe because of what you saw here. He has plenty <laughs> more people. There's plenty more interviews to see. Well, by the way, so there aren't too many guests that I have that I really want to have back uh, as a reoccurring guest. You are absolutely. And that holds true now. <laughs> but I, I was actually going to shock you. I know. I know. People never tell you this, but I might be the first. I absolutely want you back, brother. I absolutely That's want you first. back. Uh, hey. Although I know that's not entirely true because because the Paint to Town boys have had you a few times and we love those guys. I don't know if you heard our holiday episode with them, but we had our special holiday episode with the boys at the Paint to Town in, in December. That was a lot of fun. They had us on earlier in 2020. So we had them back. Huge, uh, huge mistake. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but you know what? You're right. You're, you're right. If, I, if I'm honest. <laughs> That's right. I got no I got no dog in this game. I can see whatever I want. <laughs> That's right. That's right. My friend, listen, when life sort of gets back to normal, so to speak, we're going to get together and we're going to uh, break bread. By the way, you're going to make the bread. And <laughs> every every Tuesday. <laughs> well, you uh, have a beautiful day. And Thank you, brother. You too. Appreciate Thanks for this. having me on. I appreciate so, the invite. So, so it's much always fun. Good to see you. Always great to see you. Long overdue. And you will see me again real soon, whether you like it or not. 
I don't know if that's a threat or not, but you know, <laughs> yay. <laughs> See you, my friend. Have a good one. Later. Ciao. All right. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode, write a review and share with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please press the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at NotRealArtWorld.